God, you know, whenever we talk about God in the spiritual realm, we think that that's something far, far away or something above the clouds. And the omnipresence of God, the Bible tells us that God is always here. He knows our thoughts. He knows the intents of our heart. God knows all things. There's only one place where God is not, the scripture says. And that is in the spiritual realm, there's a, pla a place that is called away from the presence of God. You know, when you can't have omnipresence and away from the presence of God at the same time. Away from the presence of God is a place called outer darkness. It's a place where God does not go. And that's someplace, that's someplace that we don't want to ever even kind of want to be or want to look at. It's away from the presence of God. But the Bible does tell us that here that God is here. And whenever he comes, he's not going to come from outside the universe. You know, I remember as a kid... Imagine wondering if God had already started his coming, but it just takes so many thousands of years to get here, you know, that he's already coming. He just isn't here yet. No, God is in that spiritual dimension. And whenever time is no more, the beautiful picture that the Bible gives us of this reality is that the sky will be rolled back. In other words, this separation we have is going to be God's going to stick his hand through it and say, that's enough. And he's going to part it. He's going to just be here. He's just going to step into our realm. Just like whenever we die, we step out of this realm into the spiritual realm and death. But, you know, those, those are amazing things. And we wait for those things to, to happen. But seeking God? You know, are we talking about seeking him physically? Are we talking about how do we seek him spiritually? What does it mean to diligently seek him? Seeking, seeking means looking and looking as if someone is lost, looking for something that we don't yet see. Well, let's follow along. Let's look at what some uh, word definitions are and what some, the Bible has to say about this and see if we can't get a, a, a more helpful definition and understanding for ourselves of, of what this means. In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 6, the Bible uses the phrase, if you have your Bibles, please turn over there. Hebrews 11 and verse 6, it says here that he is uh, a passage that we all know. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. Let's look. Uh, I have Hebrews 11 and verse 6. I, th I thought I had a slide on this. <laughs> Notice what it says. It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That is, we know he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently seek. He's going to reward those who diligently seek him. Am I diligently seeking him in my life? What does that mean? What does that look like? Like, well, the definition of the word literally comes from two words, which means to investigate, crave, demand, worship, seek after, seek after, carefully seek after. That's kind of the, uh, the idea of the word, to diligently seek him, if you will. These different versions, the International Standard Version, diligently search for him, earnestly seek him, earnestly and diligently seeking him out. And the, the New Century uh, Version says, truly wanting to find him. And I, thought, I think that's pretty good. Truly wanting to find him. You know, if someone is lost, and you truly want to find them, perhaps your child is gone and you've woken up and you don't know where they are. I remember my mom did that one time for my brother Terry, since he's told so many stories on me, I'll tell one on him. Uh, my mom just wondered where in the world he was. And we began to search high and low, send kids out in the neighborhood wondering where he was. 
and he was asleep under his bed. I don't know why he went under there to take his nap, but he crawled under his bed and went to sleep. Well, we finally found him, you know, but that's what I'm talking about is whenever we wake up and sometimes we say, I wonder where God is. Is he far away from me? We diligently seek. We truly want to find him and have him be our constant companion. Well, that's, that's an attitude, isn't it? Yes, that's what he's talking about. An attitude of seeking the presence, seeking the friendship, seeking the intimacy, seeking of a relationship with God that truly happens and is maintained in our lives. This is something wonderful. We want that. Not every time in this life do we want the presence of God. Perhaps you want to do something sinful. And, and you, if you have a Bible with you or if you have a t-shirt that has a religious passage on it, you might say, you know, I, I don't know if I can go here and do that, be in this place, because this is kind of embarrassing and maybe even a little bit hypocritical for me to say, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm carrying my Bible, but here while I'm in this place of sin or I'm doing something that I ought not be doing. It, my friends, here's, here's a point that you need to always practice in your life. If you're going to be ashamed of the Lord because you've gone to a place that you would rather not have him there, then you ought not to be there. That's the, that's the little key. That's the principle. If you're in a place where you're ashamed to have a Bible, you're ashamed to have Christian friends, maybe you ought not be there. Maybe you ought not to be watching that, listening to that, or doing that, or whatever. You know, I've been in movies where I've said, <laughs> you know, I don't know if, I, if I'd brought the Lord to this movie, I think I'd be ashamed to be here. Maybe I ought not to be here. And I'd walk out, I'd walk out and leave. Well, that's true. That's what it means to diligently seek him. If Jesus got up and left, we ought to go with him. You ever thought about that? If Jesus gets up and leaves, then we ought not to be there either. We need to be always in the presence of God, truly wanting him to be with us. Well, there's four little principles that we're going to look at real quickly this afternoon that help us always diligently seek him. The Bible says he is a rewarder. He's going to bless those who diligently seek him. So this is something we need to be doing. So what is it? Well, we must put God first. It might mean seek him first in the priorities of our purpose every day. As I've said earlier on in this meeting, there's one phrase that I think we all need to have, and that is, if there is no God, then nothing matters. If there is a God, then nothing else matters. And that's really true. He needs to be first priority in our lives. We don't push spiritual things to the dregs of the day, to the, the tiredness of our, of our energy. We give the world all of our energy, all of our time, all of our focus, our heart, soul, and mind. And then, God, you only get what's left at the end of the day. You know, maybe we ought to start out the day. Maybe we ought to do our Bible reading, which we went to sleep in last night, or we didn't finish our prayer because we went to sleep in the middle of it. Maybe we ought to start out praying that day. Maybe we ought to do it in the morning. You know, the, there are people that have made us ash me ashamed anyway when I read the history of, of how they've memorized the Word of God and how much time they spent. The Bible says there's no food to be refused except to be with, without the Word, uh, a word and, and, uh, and Thanksgiving. And there's some people who uh, made their children historically memorize passages of Scripture before every meal. And if they didn't memorize the passage, they didn't get to eat because they quoted a passage in the Old Testament of David that he said, I found your word more necessary than my daily food. 
They said, if you don't get the word, you don't get the food. <laughs> now that would, that would motivate most of us, I think, to really memorize some scriptures. But what about, I'm just talking about this very temporal thing. But do we seek God really before that? Like, do we have, do we push him aside to, and relegate him to the dregs of the day and of our energy? Or do we really put him first? When do you do your Bible reading? In the morning, when you're clear and alert, get up a little bit earlier. You know, spend some time in prayer in the morning. Those are important things. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. You insult Jesus whenever you put him at the last of your day before all of your relatives and everything. Lord, let me first go bury my father. Jesus made that famous statement, let the dead bury the dead. In other words, as we understand it to mean, let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. Come follow me. Well, that's, Lord, let me first. No, Jesus says, you gotta put me first in everything you do. We must seek God first, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these things shall be added unto you. All the other temporal things will be taken care of. So place your spirituality as a higher priority and put it first in your day. Secondly, we must seek God with all of our heart, the Bible says. And that means emotions. And sometimes we're uncomfortable saying emotion has any part to play in the Christian life. And I'm here to say, no, that's not right. We need to give God our heart. And a heart comes with commitment and thoughtfulness. If I love the Lord, I'm going to tell the Lord that I love him. I'm going to sing better. I'm not going to sing half-hearted. I'm not going to sing old drudgery tunes that don't make any sense to me. I'm going to find some songs that reflect how I really feel. And if I can't find them, I'm going to write them. That's what I'm saying. We need to really get into praising God. I mean, realistically. So that's what we're talking about. Here we need to sometimes, you know how they did for a long time was take old tunes and put new music to it. Can you do that? Have you thought if, that, if the music doesn't reflect how you really feel that there's some things that you really haven't found a song that says the way you want it to say it? Then take an old song, replace the lyrics with your lyrics. That's a valid, I don't know how many tunes are to old Danny Boy. I think there was over a hundred last time they counted. You know, the whole point is, is we need to put him first and seek him with all of our heart. Let's get our heart into, don't, don't give him half-hearted, the half-hearted approach. Notice in Malachi 1, verse 6 through 8, you offer me your blind, the layman is sick. He said, would your governor be happy with that? No, the passage is pretty clear. If you're going to honor God, give him your best. Give him your best. Start preparing for worship on Saturday night. You know, get, get, I don't know about you, but my mom always put us in bed a little bit earlier on Saturday night, probably because she wanted us out of her hair. There were six of us, but no, but she said it was because we're, tomorrow was the Lord's day and it's important we be alert for that. And so that's what I'm talking about. We need to prepare sometimes the night before. Matthew 6, verse 19 through 23. No man can serve two masters, for either love the one and hate the other, despise the one. And what, you know, we really need to make sure that there's not a contest of wills going on or priorities in our life. We need to seek God first. We really do. That's what the scripture says. I know your works that you need the cold in the heart. We don't want to be lukewarm. So let's stop being lukewarm. Become zealous. If we're going to... Who's the most zealous person in the congregation? Who do you think of? 
Well, just say to yourself, I want to be the most loving person in this congregation. I want to be the most zealous person. I want to be the most energetic, committed, alert. I want to be the best that I can be because I only have one life to give to God. So I'm not going to give him a half-hearted, lukewarm example. Who's the most lukewarm? Who's the coldest? Well, maybe some people came to our mind, maybe some images. But I hope that when we reflect on ourselves, we're not lukewarm or cold, that we are indeed zealous and committed. No half-hearted approach. We must seek God with all of our heart. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, I'm going to skip reading these lengthy passages. But if you take notes, I please encourage you to read them all. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Whenever we say, I love you with all of my heart, it, what does that mean? It's more than just a, a poetic phrase. It really does have some meaning. I think about what is good for you. I think about what pleases you. I think about what honors you. That's what it means to love someone with all your heart, is you consider them and consider their ways. Think of ways to please them. Think of ways to honor them. You know, God doesn't have to command us to do everything. Sometimes all he has to do is just even hint that it's found well-pleasing to him, and we should try to do that. Oh, there's so many passages in the scriptures in Ephesians, but we're always trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Ephesians 5 and verse 10. Always trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. That's all that we need to do is just get a hint that this is pleasing him, and we do it. We want to do it. In Matthew 25, 22, excuse me, verse 35, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Exodus 20, verse 1 through 6, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. You know, every emotion in the scriptures that man has and has to deal with, the Bible ascribes to God as well. God hates sin. He loves us. He is jealous in a, in a godly sort of way. Well, what is this uh, godly hatred and godly jealousy and godly all these things that are similar to things that he tells us that are bad for us. Well, jealousy means God is a possessive in the sense that he, we are his people and he is protective of us. That's what this word suggests. Basically, in the, in the Hebrew, it means he's protective. He wants us to recognize we're the property of God and he doesn't want us stolen or or disrespected in any way. And so he's jealous over us with a godly jealousy, a one that is protective and loving and considerate of our condition. Yes, these things we've got to, we got to understand in order to seek God. We must seek to please God, as we've already noticed in Ephesians. We can let our desires for other things choke out the word, and it brings nothing to completeness. Completeness, the desire for other things. God, yeah, I haven't got time for you right now. Let's schedule a meeting. Let's, let's get together on Tuesday at 3 or something like that. If you really love someone, don't you like to see them a lot? Don't you like to be around them? Yeah, hang out with them. And that's what we want to do with God. And in John 12, they love the praise of men more than God. Some people didn't want God always present with them. And he said, that's not, that's a sign that your heart isn't right with God. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. In James 4 and verse 8, and also James 1 and verse 8, by the way, he said, sometimes we have 
a, a form of schizophrenia. I call it spiritual schizophrenia. And that we have two characters. We have one when we're not in church and one for when we are. And it's like we're part playing. It's easy for us to click into the Christian character and behave that way, but then whenever there's no Christians around, we, turn, we just click it off and turn on the other worldly personality. No, 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 no. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart, you double-minded. Purify. Make single substance. That's what pure gold is, is gold that's been heated, and the junk comes to the top, and its dross is taken off. And then you have pure gold. And that's what we need to be. We need to purify our lives to where we really are spiritually minded people. Would, would your friends say that you're spiritually minded? That's what I'm trying to say. Let's become more pure in our hearts, more devoted to seeking the de desire of God, seeking the presence of God continually. Well, we must seek to please God with all that we do. We make it our aim to be well-pleasing to him. This passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is really quite interesting. He tells us here, this is what we're supposed to be doing. That is, we are making it our aim, or as New American Standard says, make it our ambition. Ambition to be pleasing to him. Is that your life's ambition, is just to please God? That's what it is, to seek him. Seek him in all things. Find out what is acceptable to the Lord. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, Paul said to the Galatians. Galatians 2 and verse 20. No longer I who live. Christ lives through me. I'm going to keep him alive. To all those around me, I'm going to keep his memory alive. To all that I can in this world, he's coming back again. God's promise to those who diligently seek him is very clear in the scriptures. Notice, Jeremiah 29, you will seek me and find me, and find me. Oh, to have and know the presence of God. To understand it is wonderful to know. Find me when you search for me with all your heart. That's a promise. God says you'll find, but you've got to put in the effort. You've got to ask, seek, and knock. And whenever you do, you'll find. You'll find me. Matthew 7, verse 7, seek and you shall find. That's what the Bible says. Do it. Seek him. Seek him to know him through his letters, through his word. Seek to understand his heart, his thinking. Seek his perspective as discovered in the scriptures. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw nigh to you. My friends, if you're away from God, I can tell you what, it's you that's moved. It's you and I that move. If we find ourselves isolated spiritually, it's because God wants our presence, but he says, you moved, you went away, come back to me. You know, whenever you take a coal out of the fire and you lay it out to the side, it grows colder, doesn't it? Just because it doesn't have all of the radiant heat from the other things around, but you take that same coal, you put it back and it begins to glow again. That's what it is in our spirituality. When we separate ourselves from sources of spiritual strength, we grow cold just because of dissipation, just because heat disperses. But if you take us and you want to have Christian fellowship and you put, immerse yourself in the word and you begin praying fervently and you begin having that digesting spiritual thoughts and food as it's delivered to us and we begin to be nourished up on the words of faith, then we find ourselves growing in strength and growing spiritually. 
This sermon is really designed to get you back into the Word, to get you back into reading the Bible, to get you back into prayer, to get you back into Christian fellowship, to get you back into practicing the presence of God and making Him a priority in the morning. I know we've been trying to do that all week, but my, my responsibility is to encourage everyone to more love and good works. Let's, let's be practical here. I want us to really grow in our, in our relationship with God. Draw near to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Don't say, I'm too alienated from him. Go in his direction, and he will come the, uh, the rest of the way. Well, the lion may grow weak and the hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Psalm 34, verse 10 tells us. Having a deeper desire for God every day is what life is all about. Diligently seek him. This desire will compel us to listen very carefully. Know God more each day. Love God more and more each day. Serve God more and more each day. Please God more and more each day. To know him, we get to know him through his word. That's how I know him. That's how I know a lot of people. I, I read their posts on Facebook. I get to know some of them. Sometimes I delete them. <laughs> Others, I began to follow them closer because they're an encouragement to me. But I get to know them through what they share and what they talk about. I love God more, or serve God more, please God more. Whenever we do these things, that's how we diligently seek him. That's how we do that. So we do need to measure ourselves. We need to get familiar with ourselves and where we're at. Look at 2 Chronicles 15, verse 2 through 4. Azariah, Azariah said, listen to me, Asa and Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach him, without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord... They turned to the Lord, but in their desire, uh, uh, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. So, these people didn't seek him. They began to seek him, and they found him. It was a blessing to them, and it'll be a blessing to us if we really begin seeking the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him when he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let them return to the Lord and he will have compassion on them and to our God and he will abundantly pardon. One of the things I have desired of the Lord that I will seek him, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The lesson is yours. I hope that's helpful in some ways. I wanted to give you some last words of encouragement. And just talk about what it meant to diligently, diligently seek the Lord. Could it be said of us that we diligently seek Him? Do we read our Bibles every day? No, we haven't found time to. Maybe you ought to take note of that and say, if anything is put aside today, it will not be my relationship with God. You know, if Reba sends me an email or sends me a message, I read it. Believe it or not, I do. I read, I read her messages because I like, if she calls me or I call her, we have a commitment to each other. We're going we're gonna to answer that because they know if they call, they're, they're, I don't know if she's alongside the road or whatever. 
I don't want to go, oh yeah, I got a message from Reba, and when I get a time, I'll, I'll listen to it, or let her leave a message. <laughs> you know. And then some, uh, one time I did that, Glenn, I, I have a flat tire, I'm down here, I, I went, oh man, I am in trouble now. <laughs> Guy ignored her message. Well, we, we made this commitment to listen to each other's messages and take each other's phone calls. That's what I mean about the Lord. Does the Lord have that much priority? That's what I'm saying. The Lord calls us every day. He goes, his word is there and it's ringing. And we go, pick it up. You know, Lord wants to talk to us. Pick up your Bible and answer that message. <laughs> Look at it, read it. Because it's such a wonderful message. And he says, that keeps us from going far from him. Draw near to him and he will draw nigh to you. Read your Bibles. One of the great things that made the church strong in the ages past is that people read their Bibles. Today we have tons of Bibles. How many of you have multiple copies? And there's less reading going on than anything else. We've got computers. You've got iPads and iPhones. It will read it to you. There's apps you can load, and it will read it to you, and we still don't read the Bible. God's going up there, what am I going to have to do <laughs> to communicate to these people? I've given them access to, I will, I will make it read to them if they will just touch it. <laughs> and we don't. And we don't. Come on, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Let's get single-minded. Let's make sure we're a people in, in a relationship with God. In a relationship with God. That's what we need. That's what we really want. We want to be rewarded because we're diligently seeking him. Those are the people who will get rewarded. Are those who diligently, diligently, I want you to go, if you don't remember any other word, I want you to remember that one when you go away. Those who diligently seek him. Tonight, if you're not diligently seeking him, then stand up and do something about it tonight. Step out. Obey the Lord in your faith. Repent of your sins. Confess his name. Be baptized. If you haven't, if you need to make things right, let's do it now. Diligently seek him, won't you? We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.